Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Voices in Hyperspace. We got the whole crew together. Nita has returned from her away mission, her super secret away mission. She's like a secret agent. We'll dig into a little bit of that probably at the end of the episode. But uh, we're going to get started with this one. I am Legendary Black Lion. I'm El Asylum. Nita, the painter. Hi, this is Sunday. All right, so this episode, we are looking at Babylon 5, Season 1, Episode 13, um, Signs and Portents. This one, this is, a, this is another set the stage episode, which is crazy because Season 1 has been doing a lot of universe building. And this one finally allows season one to start stretching his arms and legs out because it is setting up the rest of the series. Oh, my goodness. It's it's like if you know what's going to happen, then this episode kind of gets your heart racing a little bit. Let's start with let's start with the first timer. So, Nita, what are your initial thoughts on this episode? Let me remember. So the I is the greatest symbol of authority to the centauri yes and i'm just it i kind of fan not fantasize but like what is the word just kind of like imagine went, yeah just a, a little light imagining of um like the the symbols of power that we have in america and how they mean so much to people <clears throat> And this is like, oh, people are about to die over a symbol again. Here we go. Yeah, that's an interesting point. But it you're 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 pointing out something very uh, central to imperialism. They again, they always defer to cultural narratives, right? Idealized cultural narratives and uh, the idealized past. The symbol justifies the power, and that's why, um, what's his name, Lord Kiro? Lord Kiro was so sentimental when it came to, like, being around the eye. That whole theme of what does someone want, along with the mysteriousness of the, the character who was asking... And not to mention, like, how everyone was so hostile when they were asked, what do you want, what you want? It's like, um, that's a, that's a hard subject for someone whose responsibility is their, um, their whole world, their, their home world, (laughs) their whole world. It it seemed like it might go somewhere. Like you said, it's setting the scene for something. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's quite troublesome. That the ambassadors of the entire world that are on a starship that is supposed to be fostering peace and all the things that these are the things you want. You want to murder, death, and kill the opposition so that you can be the great one. That doesn't sound like the speaking of a higher self that's looking for unity and peace to me. Well, that's the thing, right? The Centauri... They really are not about peace. Um, Ambassador Malari, he's on Babylon 5 to like to try to find like leverage, right? 
he's trying to gain power for himself for the Centauri Republic, right? Um, and and throughout the season so far, you've seen the way he that he interacts and behaves with the other characters. He's always trying to find his his leg up, but he hates it. It's like he hates he hates his job. He hates it because he he has he he sees himself as not having power. And in this episode, we find out like yeah, what he wants is he not only does he want power, but he wants the Centauri to be back into like their seat of power in the whole galaxy. They want to control everything. It's kind of weird because um, it would they they mentioned that it was like over a hundred years ago that the Centauri lost power over the Narn. And that the good old days was the time where they owned the whole, owned most of the galaxy. And if the Narn had gotten their freedom around 100 years ago, how long ago was the good old days? Did he actually live them? Is that just something that they're holding on to that's irrelevant right now? But it's their culture to conquer and they're like still trying to, to get back into conquering stuff. Yeah. For what reason? Other than nostalgia of a time that you didn't live through. Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <So> to say. <laughs> People always talking about the good old days when when men were men and women were women and you could smack people and not go to jail and mm-hmm. people weren't soft and it's like, no, humans have been roughly the same for about the past hundred thousand years. We are in a position, we're in a place now where we can start thinking about our internal selves a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's actually a good thing. And there are some changes that we should probably be making. Anyway, I'm I'm not going to jump on that soapbox just yet. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's start off with something really interesting. So the episode begins with... Commander Sinclair talking to Garibaldi, talking about like, "Hey, we, uh, I'm, 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 an, I'm going to investigate this thing that happened to me. I'm gonna need your help." Um, I thought that was kind of interesting because what? When was it? It was two episodes ago where he started to remember that he was on the um, the Minbari ship during the Battle of the Line. That that portion of his uh, memory that was erased. He remembers seeing uh, Ambassador Delin on the ship. And remember, we said she's on Babylon 5 to watch him. And she was given orders that if he ever regains his memory, she has to kill him. So all that time we're saying something's up with Ambassador Delin, something's up with Ambassador Delin. Now we know part of what's up with her. She's um, she's a member of the Great Council. She's watching Ambassador Sinclair. And she has, granted, I don't, you know, it depends on, we haven't heard much about her um, seriousness about carrying out these orders, but she has a standing order to murder him if he mm-hmm. learns the truth. So she's been lying to him and everyone for quite a while. Um, also, remember, she's been missing for a couple of episodes and she just suddenly shows back up in this one. She didn't have much of a role in this one either. Not really, but what happens with her does help move the story, and uh, we'll get to that. There's another there's another storyline that's going on. There are raiders that are um, hitting cargo ships. Yeah, it was um, interesting how the call in to Babylon 
is what people do they're in distress but it didn't seem like they were really equipped to help um and that that was really troubling yeah these distress calls kept coming into the uh, kept coming into the station it was upsetting to ivanova which she was barely in the episode too by the way right yeah like what she was in one scene two scenes she didn't want to wake up. <laughs> they need to get her. I don't know. They don't have like the fake sunrise. <laughs> Sleeping is not, not the only one struggling with living in space and no sun. Right. Like you That's could. Rhythms. I'm sorry, Mel. Go ahead. Why doesn't the alarm turn on the lights? I, I mean, I, I guess they could imagine that in the 90s. But like we have that now, like we could, we have smart stuff that you could connect things to and your alarm turns on your lights for you, or you can set your lights to come on at a certain time. Yeah. So we have a smart light in the bathroom and um, it's also motion controlled. So it only comes on when you go into the bathroom, right? But I have it set to where at a certain time in the morning, it goes from the green color that we normally have, which is very soothing and relaxing, to white, which is definitely going to wake you up if you walk through the bathroom. Um, Sunday, how would you feel if we put a smart light in our bedroom that would come on at like five in the morning when your alarm comes on? <laughs> like, for making a suggestion, you want to fight? <laughs> I mean, you could just say so. It, it'll definitely get you up out of bed. It would not. It would get us into a fight. And then you would be awake. You would be awake with so much energy. I, I need, that, need that kind of assistance. Thank you. I need that for engineering. <laughs> yeah. So he can get up and get ready and I don't have to like get him up. Because he'll get up and get ready as soon as I get him up. Or as soon as he gets up. But that means I need to go in there and get him up. And sometimes that's not really necessary for me. <laughs> Gotcha. Or I'm not ready to do that. But I also like want him to be as independent as possible. Hmm. So. Nita. Yeah, I don't have a problem waking up and I never um, had a sweet mom to, you know, come and do the snuggle wake ups. It was <laughs> like if your ass ain't on that bus stop, <clears throat> you're in trouble. trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, we also see a discussion between um, Ambassador Malari and some guy. <laughs> he, he He's like some broker of some sort, right? He's delivering the eye to Londo and Lord... Uh, no, he's delivering the eye to Londo, which the eye is... It's an artifact from Centauri history. If I'm remembering it correctly, it basically... Is, is basically a symbol of the Empire's power. And him and Lord Kiro are going to deliver it to the Emperor. And there is a, there's a little twist to this in that Lord Kiro, his family is connected to the Eye. It was, it, was a, it, was a, it was an heirloom that was connected to his family for a long time, and he's going to be the one to give it to the Emperor. He sounds like he has like some sour feelings about that. Trying to be the boss himself. Yeah. You know, yeah. All the power is once it's for mine. Mm-hmm. It's like, it belongs to my family. Why should I give it to the emperor? 
is that uh is that what did, oh god I'm about to say it but we'll say it anyway it's that Game of Thrones right it's the um it's that <laughs> game that the Centauri play they're all trying to they're all um lobbying for as much power as possible to get as close to the emperor as possible or get mm-hmm. as much leverage as possible for their power so they can lob um, his head off I still think it's very I mean I, I know we've seen stories about empires in space, <laughs> but but I do I do think it's like it's it's really um, strange that there are still empires in space. Um, but I think that kind of goes along with the what the Centauri are supposed to uh, signify in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so Lord Kiro, he's with his wife uh, Ladira. She is a prophetess, which she can see. I guess that's where the episode title comes from. She can see signs and portents. She gets like these visions of things. Uh, of course, I have to say this. This is a situation where they have a woman character who is right. She has special powers. And everyone just kind of disregards her. Uh, Lord Kiro is like, yeah, you know, she keeps saying I'm going to be killed by shadows. You know, like how, you know, how accurate can her predictions be? Right. Then we have the introduction of a character that is going to be very interesting for the rest of the series. Mr. Morden. So in the background of a lot of these scenes, Mr. Morden is just kind of skulking around. He's observing the different characters and he finds himself um, meeting with each with many of them. And he's asking them a specific question. He's asking them, what do you want? Watching this now as an adult, Mr. Morden reminds me of Zachary Quinto. Y'all know who that is? No. He uh, played Spock in the um, the Kelvin Universe movies. Like with uh, oh, okay. Chris Pine and... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do- doesn't he remind... Well, he reminds me of Zachary Quinto. Okay. And, and I'm thinking like, hey, if they actually make a... Which they are making a Babylon 5 remake. It would be cool to have Zachary Quinto, but he's going to be... Uh, too expensive but you know (laughs) he's done tv before but that was a long time ago Mm -hmm. but yeah so yeah he's in heroes right yep yep he was uh one of the main villains for season one yeah silo (laughs) and then he just took over that show oh it was pretty awesome though no i thought that he was i don't know a part of something secretive that was going to take the wants of the people and some kind of way be like, oh, you think you want this thing and then when you get it, you'd be sorry for it or <laughs> maybe there's like some kind of like power that he possesses. I mean, he's not an alien so I don't know how realistic that is but I don't know. He just has something up his sleeve and I wasn't not so sure about him. When I first saw him, I was like, who is this guy? Kind of creepy. I was um, cleaning up my crafts towards the beginning. 
So I was confused about him, like, so what do you want when he met with Jakar? And I was trying to fill in the blanks. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe um, he, Jakar went to meet with him and he's trying to make the deal because Jakar is like this evil person in my mind. Um, But then the, the next time, he went to was it Delin was the second person, um, yeah, and then asked again. I'm like, oh no, nah, he's taking a survey, and then <laughs> Lady was like, oh the shadows are gonna come get you, and I'm like, oh that's the shadow that's gonna come get him, you know that's a shadow man, and you know how like from uh princess and the frog the shadow man you make a deal with him with the friends from the other side and then mm-hmm. later on oh stuff from here's a gift from friends you didn't know you had i'm like that's yeah. the man. so that's yeah. what that's, i got yeah yep. I, I was Go just ahead. thinking he fits that character of the um trickster like Anansi or um, Loki or something. Like I'm gonna be charming and stuff, but I got something up my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very suspicious. His charming is suspicious. And then I also noticed that when he went to, he went to all four of the ambassadors, but one of them he did not ask the question. Yep, because he was just like, "Why are you here? <laughs> you need to go." Yeah. <laughs> like they acquainted and y'all both up to something. Yeah. So Mr. Morton, he went to see Jakar. Uh went to see Londo, went to see Delin, and went to see Ambassador Kosh. And and I'm sorry, so this is a detail that I'm trying to remember because I've seen this whole series. Isn't there someone who points out like you? I think it was Dylan. She goes like, "You've been talking to everybody. You've been asking this question to everybody, right?" Mm. What in this so, episode? Yeah. No. Who was it? Dylan. Like. I thought it was Dylan. Because yeah, because she knew that he had already gone to somebody else and asked okay, that question okay. for some reason. How she knew, I don't know. Because Dylan being every look, she has that whole station under surveillance. I'm telling you. They they weren't in his quarters. No, I thought he, they were in his quarters. Okay. Oh, oh, you mean Jakar's quarters? Yeah, yeah. He he was straight up in Jakar's quarters. Jakar comes back to his quarters, and Morden is just there. <laughs> he <laughs> she somehow knows about it. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> she she knows she knows way too. Like, Delin is a security risk. Basically, that's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> um, so the conversation with Jakar, uh, for Nita, I want to get your thoughts on that first, and then we'll go to Sunday. So when Jakar is talking to Morden, and he finally answers the question, what? How do you? What are your thoughts on his answer? Um, I didn't know that his alien species like eight other people um unless he was just exaggerating about sucking the marrow from bones and grinding skulls into dust but i really appreciated the candor at the end when jakar when 
Boy was like, and then what? And Jakar was like, chill. And it really made me wonder about like my own goals and my own desires. Like, okay, when I get the things that I want and then what? Um, and then I had to bring myself back. I was like, oh wait, we're watching a movie. <laughs> yeah. Without Nita this time. Um, but I did find <laughs> very like interesting and I and I do want to um interrogate my my own desires. Mm. Okay. Uh what about you, Sunday? I don't have anything as deep that I was <laughs> I thought he was um experiencing, you know, just some trauma from the way his people have been treated and he's in a position to potentially like elevate them um and to have somebody ask him what his desires are he's like basically wanting revenge you know for his people Mm. yeah he basically and he even says it i want justice and uh morden kept pushing it was like what do you want he's like look i want basically he wants to see the Centauri murdered. <laughs> uh, I think he was exaggerating as far as like sucking the marrow from their bone. But then again, in most episodes so far, we've seen Jakar with some sort of food in his hands. Uh, and he probably would eat a Centauri if he was given the opportunity. So so there's that. Um, But yeah, he, he kind of deflates. He's like, after I get, you know, he said, after our people are safe, I'm pretty, don't, I'm pretty much think it doesn't matter what I want. And I thought that was interesting because throughout the whole uh, season so far, he's been trying to gather resources and leverage and like some sort of advantage for the Narn. But he, he really isn't trying to gather power for himself. Mm -hmm. Or at least the power that he's trying to gather for himself is more for so he can do things for Narn or do things against the Centauri. But other than that, it's just kind of like whatever, you know, and he he's been he's been consistent. Like, it's it's hard to say that he's self-centered and self-interested. He really isn't. Uh, And we'll begin to see more of uh, this this change or this um, development in Jakar as the seasons go forward. I also want to make this, I want to make this quick uh, observation about this episode. Um, The last couple of episodes, you could say that they were kind of filler episodes. You learn things about the characters, but the story really doesn't go anywhere. Um, The last episode, uh, any means necessary was a, it was basically a workers riot, a labor, a labor riot on the station and you got to see bits and pieces of how the um you got to see pieces of how the politics work in babylon 5 and they have the the rush act but you know nothing really happened the episode before that um oh i can't remember the name of it but it was when uh sinclair remembers uh, what was it war prayer when he remembers bits and pieces about 
what happened to him during the Battle of the Line. You know, you have these episodes, they're they're revealing the characters, but the plot is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And people, I've seen online people call those filler episodes. And I think, uh, Mel, you even called it filler episodes. No. And, um... Oh, sorry? You called one up. I, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Survivors. It you was one it, oh, with, with the, um... With the, 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 the lovers that came in and... Yep, that one. That okay. one, too. Like... A lot, you know, a couple of these, a lot of these are filler episodes, but this I one. I think I took it back later. Did, yeah. <laughs> because it, well, I mean, even though it's a side story and it doesn't really go into the main story, eventually, uh-huh. the longer we talk, the more it was setting the scene for like the undertones for things. Like, um, because the character development is just as important as the main story because the characters are what drive the story is their actions the story is their actions so learning those little bits of his motivation and um his culture and why he believes this about his culture um means that in the future when something like this comes up there's no uh deus ex machina right okay (laughs) i understand yep (laughs) <laughs> you were planting which, little seeds yeah which I'm uh, you use that term and a, a very specific scene popped in my head I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about it but it is important you get to see a, there's a scene later in the season where Drakkar makes a very drastic turn towards the character he will soon become um, and that's all I'm going to say about that. You know, little breadcrumbs, little teasers. Okay. So, so, uh, Morden leaves, uh, Jakar and you, uh, you do see him, um, encounter Delin. Uh, I thought that the encounter with Delin, which, okay, let me, let me go ahead and say this. We're already suspicious of Delin. Right, yeah, we're already we're already we're already suspicious. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I'm, I think I'm I think I'm going a little too fast. Uh, that's okay. So he speaks to Lando. The Lando conversation was interesting. In front of the elevator, that was funny yeah. to me. <laughs> I like yeah. how the, the fight they had that extra uh, jumped onto the elevator real fast and shut the door. Yep. Um, well, whatever order they do this, because I, I'm, I'm, I think, uh, I think I, I'm, I'm just out of order on all of these, but it's okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So he he talks to Londo, and Londo goes on his rant of, "I want things to be the way they used to be. I want to sit back in our former glory." Um, the good old days, you know, he he sounds like a crotchety old man yelling at clouds. <laughs> but his uh, when he's when he first starts talking to Morden, he's like, "Leave me alone! I want you to leave me alone! <laughs> like you're annoying me." <laughs> and he says, "Oh, I can't leave until I get an answer." And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting too because. 
Like for the most part, like do, if if somebody asks you what do you want, and you're like, oh, I want to go back to the good old days. Do you do you think that's useful information for anything? Uh, it depends on what you're calling the good old days, um, because yeah, there might. Mm, mm, sorry, y'all, I'd be struggling. I don't ever really want to go back in time. Uh, but I can right. remember when I was a child and like you didn't have to think about a whole lot of different stuff so that can be considered good and old but then there's like before capitalism and all this you know shit happened and people were living off of the land and you know were moving around with nature that could be good so it just depends on in what context they're referring yeah I mean, like, um, I hear a lot of people, I used to, because I, well, I still like a lot of, like, the old school um, fashion, like the 50s and um, rockabilly and uh, the 40s dresses and stuff. And uh, when I say that I like 50s and, and, and 40s fashion and jazz, I have to be specific, very, very specific, because... I don't want to mix anything else about the 50s with modern yeah. times. Just give me the clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some people, like, I love everything about the 50s, and I'm like, ugh. Uh, <laughs> like, no, just the, just the dresses? Just the, give me some of the dresses? <laughs> like, they, they, I'm sorry, I'll go ahead. No, you're fine. I'm so sorry. I got excited when you were talking about that right, because I've right. been having like, quite a wonderful experience with um doing like gender role type task around my home um i'm in a, a a space in my life right now where a lot of fulfillment is happening for me and i've got all this energy to like clean and cook and do all kinds of stuff that i just generally am not interested in doing and so to think about like the 50s housewife that would usually just make me want to recoil and vomit a little (laughs) but I think if I'm getting the fulfillment that I need like that that is something that I have to do I am seeing now is not really that big of a deal but I know that that is not the reality for most of those men back then so thankful you know women's rights and all the things have marched for me to be where I am thank y'all appreciate you (laughs) I definitely associate the term good old days with slavery and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it. But I thought the the response, I can't go unless I get an answer. Um, I was like, is he lying? Or does he only need an answer from the males of the species? Because Dylan didn't give him an answer and he left. Yeah, but Dylan kicked him out. So... When he went to Delin, she was like, "Okay, you you are right." She was like, "Hey, I, I've re- you know you are going around asking everybody this question," and when she turns around and looks at him, she sees like we we the audience see this symbol begin to form on her forehead. She turns away uh, from him, covers her face, and she's like, "I'm tired. Uh, you need to go." And she turns around and looks at him, and like the shadows cover his face. His face darkens. She's like, get out. You need to get out. 
That was a very interesting response from Dylan. Uh, and, and go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just saying she doesn't answer the question at yeah. all. We saw in it was the movie where um, she had those little orbs. So mm-hmm. she still she she has some type of power. And then the the triangle showing up on her head, them and their triangles. Um, yeah, <laughs> that um, it, it we don't know what her power is. Is it scientific? Is it um, like there are psychics in different species? Yes. Um, so maybe there was something there that repelled him, or that he recognized as like I can't mess with this right now. Right. He had a couple of moments like that in this uh, episode too, right? <clears throat> but yeah, she... So, hold on. I want to I want to highlight all of this. Let's, uh, let's solidify. There's so much more going on with Delenn, um than what they're showing us, right? Mm-hmm. We're suspicious of her. She's a, she's a security risk. She, she got magic triangles popping up on her forehead. Uh, she has these magic rings that we'll never see again. <laughs> <laughs> um way too much going on. Um and then later in episode Morden approaches. Well, hold on. He doesn't really approach Ambassador Kosh. In fact, I, I, there was a point where you see him um avoid Ambassador Kosh. He's like he has this look like, "Oh man, not this guy." And he like <laughs> Ambassador Kosh goes by and Morden Sneaks past him. But eventually they do come face to face and he doesn't ask Kosh anything. Kosh tells him, like, they are not yours. You need to go. Like, leave. And that's also a very cryptic conversation to have, too. Um, I wanted to get Nita and Sunday's perspectives on that little bit of interaction that, you know, what do you think that reveals? Kosh is God. Mm. And the Yeah, I got of God. <laughs> so, you may not touch them, Shadow Man. They are covered <laughs> in the blood. Amen. And I got nothing. Okay. But um, wasn't it a shadow that he that was used to kill something? What was the episode where they were all fighting over something and and he just came in and was like, "No, nah, yeah, oh, it was the um, it was the they were uh, supposed to have something. the immortality. The, it yeah. was the um, the lady, yeah, the uh, the Death Walker. Because the shadow kind of looked like the ship that came in to kill the Death Walker." I mean, to me, it did. It looks similar. Well, the the ships that came to kill the Death Walker were the um, Vorlon ships. Yeah. They are kind of like an organic, and they have like that. I don't know if they're tendrils, but they kind of look like tendrils, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is definitely like a living vessel type of thing. So yeah. But yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, my mind's going. If they're acquaintant, maybe they're more like the um, Vulcans and Romulans, but they never like 
lost that knowledge of their connection. Mm. That's what I get from it. And my memory of the show is hazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So so we had those interactions with the main ambassadors on the on this show, um, and we got some some very strong responses. But then um, it turns out, like when um, so there's there's another plot that's going on, right? And I don't want to get ahead of myself. So there's a there's another plot that's going on. We we mentioned that there were the, these raiders that are um, attacking cargo ships, and there there is an attack that happens while all this other stuff is going on. And Sinclair sends out a wing, uh, you know, a squadron to go help out one of the ships being attacked. And he's he's like, you know, these. These attacks have, were happening, you know, closer to the station, and then suddenly this one's ha- this happened. This uh, this new attack is happening like a whole sector away, and so he's getting pretty suspicious. And um, he's and then he's like, "Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's look. Let's see what's going on." So he they do a quick little uh, search. There's like, "Well, what ships are here, and what si- ships are about to leave?" It turns out that the Centauri ship. That um, that Lord Kiro and Lady Ladera came in on it's supposed to be leaving like what ten minutes it's supposed to be leaving really really soon, and he goes somebody wants us to be defenseless. He's like okay, let's send Garibaldi down. Garibaldi, I need you to go down to uh, the docking bay uh, with the with the security team. So um. What is happening is um, Lando, Kiro, and Ladera, they're being held at gunpoint. And the, the eye is basically being uh, stolen from them. And I like that whole situation made me very like suspicious. Well, you know, I've seen this whole thing before, but now like looking at it now, I'm like, yeah, that is a perfect setup because the guy comes in. Uh, he's a human. He comes in, shoots the two guards, keep all of those important people alive, takes the <laughs> takes the eye, and then he's like, you know what? For insurance, I'm going to take you with me. He takes uh, Lord Kiro. So all of that happens real fast, but that's like, hey, you know what? That's a really kind of that's a kind of cool setup. He's 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 got the he's got the item that they're trying to get, and he has the guy that hired him, and they get on the ship, and they're on their way out. Um, of course, Ladera doesn't know what's going on, and Lando doesn't know what know what's going on. But um, Sinclair has his suspicions. Any 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 quick thoughts on that? Like, so are you saying that Lord Kiro orchestrated his own kidnapping? Yes, because mm-hmm. he wanted to keep the eye. That went right over my head. Yeah. Me too. I was just thinking, like, he got abducted. Like, that was pretty clear. Oh, I feel so sweet right now. Good job, Nita. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of, like, emphasized so much that it's a part of my family. I shouldn't have to give it to the uh, king, to the emperor. And um, then the conversation that 
you know how sneaky those people are. They 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 always planning for them to have whatever power is whatever they think they should be having. And obviously that was the power that he wanted. So it didn't surprise to me that he would try to find a way to keep the eye and then got greedy. Yeah. You're like, no, we can't give you all that. <laughs> right. Right. Cause on the ship he was the the guy was explaining like, yeah, you know what? Look. And and uh, he he is right. Kiro's plan was not good. <laughs> His whole thing was like, yes, I'm going to use the eye to claim the throne. It's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, they're going to just pay attention be like, oh, you got this very shiny gem and we're just going to give the throne to you? No. What will most likely have happened is he would have made his demands, they would have killed him, and they probably would have destroyed the eye. So the um, so the guy that came, the kidnapper, yeah, or yeah, yeah, or took it. But the kidnapper, he was, he, you know, he had a very good grasp on the whole situation. He was like, "Look, they're gonna pay us for the eye, and they're gonna, you know, we don't have enough firepower for, for them." What did he say? He said something like, "We can't help you take over the the uh, the government, but what they will do is they will pay your ransom." And I'm like, <laughs> "That dude is, yeah, he knows how to pivot. He's like, he understands what the situation is." <laughs> So he's got he's he's got he's got it set up for him to get paid twice for this probably a third time for this one mission. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they're raiders; they're going to milk every penny they can get out of it. Yeah, he's like the smartest person on this episode. Well, between him <laughs> and uh, Sinclair so far, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> he's like, take him to the holding until you're useful. It's like, man, he's like. They they'll only pay your ransom if they have proof of life. Now, let's let's imagine the Centauri Republic, one of their officials, one of their lords, a high-ranking uh, politician, has been abducted on a mission to recover uh, an artifact. Um, if he makes his way back to Centauri. How do you think he's going to be received? It depends on if he comes with the artifact. I mean, even if he, even if he does come with the artifact, do you think they're going to be like celebrating him or? I think they're going to like. I think they'll he'll keep his status. If he if he came with the artifact without any issues, um, then he would you know, still be a lord, whatever, seeing as how he is, because, like, you were able to do what we told you to do. But him showing up without it, um, they would be pissed. Hmm. I think, yes, the ego of what can I get out of it. So, if they can get their artifact back from him, they're okay. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Sunday? Yeah, I agree that it doesn't matter like what means he used to achieve the goal. It seems very important to the entire species to have it, even though they all have their own like sinister and uh, ulterior motives. Um, mm. Yeah, they're going to be 
happy to have the artifact back in one piece. I mean, nothing's going to stop them from constantly bickering amongst one another. So there is that. Like, they'll be happy that it came back, but still, you know, give it back to the emperor and be happy where you are. Know your role and shut your mouth. Right. (laughs) He's acting like if he brings it back, then he's going to get like an up in life. But I don't see any evidence of his mm-hmm. culture being appreciative of anything. Right, right. delusion. No. <laughs> and that's that's what I'm saying. Like for uh, Lord Kiro, if he makes it, he he makes it out of. If, let's say hypothetically, he makes it out of the situation alive. I don't like. He may not lose his position. Or his status, but he would lose all his influence. It's like, how did you get let yourself get kidnapped by the guy that you hired? Like, and then you had and knew we had to pay for you to come back. Like, that's um that would be that would be he would get he would receive a lot of shame for that. Yeah. Yeah. So um Nita had to go. She's meeting her father's brother, her uncle. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. um they're doing that right now. So, but everything's all good. <clears throat> all right. So back to the show. They have this really cool battle. Um, you get to see Sinclair really using some cool battle tactics, which I did appreciate that, at least for this season, you get to see you get to see and understand the battle tactics of uh Sinclair. Um just to kind of spoil some stuff later on in the series they don't go as they don't go too much into detail um with how these uh space battles go and it does subtract from like the quality of them but the reason why is because the story is so very well developed by then that you don't need them to go too much into detail but you know i i I wish they would have kept it you know but whatever (laughs) <laughs> he didn't basically, go in, sorry. no go ahead go ahead he didn't go into danger today this time no he did not he, he actually, actually he actually yeah. commanded <laughs> <laughs> did his actual job what? <laughs> well and hold on wait like wait wait might be a reflection of him um finding purpose in the that missing piece like him actually that's his that's um, that's the metaphor of his shadow work. Him yeah. going to Garibaldi okay. to say, there's something missing that I can't see. I don't call that a shadow. He's actually trying to look into it now. So when you're not looking into your, your shadows or your dark side, you, you do stupid shit. <laughs> oh, that that's where like that toxic that's where the toxicity comes from. It, it's yeah. reckless for him to be responsible for all those people and that whole expensive station and um, just jump out into to the line of fire. But mm. now that he's actually looking into his pain and, and what's bothering him, he's feeling his responsibility and being more responsible. <laughs> yes. I will have to make one correction, though. Yes, he does ask for help. He's trying to get to the bottom of it, but he did have a gun pointed at him in this episode. But uh, he didn't but know that, there was going to be a gun there. 
True. Usually Agreed. he knows that there's danger and he's like, I'm on it. He, just, <laughs> he wants to go tell them, no, we're going to hold out on your 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 um ship right now. Yeah. Like, like, just wait over here because we're trying to keep you safe. There was no reason for him to believe there was danger. Like, even when um the guy had them, the guy had them at gunpoint, um, Malari and the aunt, and Sinclair still didn't know that there was a gun there. He's just like, y'all acting weird. He didn't, mm. he didn't run into danger. He just happened to be there. <laughs> yeah. True. Good, good observation. So, so yeah. So then, um, Sinclair is making improvements in his life. He's, he's, He's uh he's had some breakthroughs. <laughs> <laughs> um but so we uh we we kind of unravel that whole mystery. Uh all of the raids were basically a diversion, so Lord Um Kiro could steal this eye thing with a poorly thought out plan to take over the Empire. <laughs> and how does it end? Um, after the, after the Raiders get beat and they're all like, Hey, we need to go. What happens? Um, the shadows. Yeah. The shadow, the shadow craft comes out of, of jump space and slices that other ship in half. So down goes Kiro, down goes the kidnappers and the Raiders, their special ship that can open up jump spaces. All of it's gone. And it's kind of like, well, geez, what was the point of this episode, right? <laughs> well, what ends up happening? Uh, Mr. Morden finds himself in Ambassador Malari's uh, at the door of his quarters again. And he has a giant box in his hand. And he brings, he says, I have a gift for you from friends that you didn't know you had. From friends you didn't know you had. And it is the eye, which is very interesting that they recovered it because how how would you be able to recover this this jeweled whatever it is? <laughs> uh this gyroscope, you know, from the destruction of that ship, right? They had to be very thorough about recovering mm-hmm. that thing. He gives it to, he gives it to Ambassador Malari. And then he just disappears. Like he he pulls the Batman thing. Malari turns his back. He turns back around. He's gone. And then something else strange happens. He Malari's like, "Well, how, hey, how you know? Let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a fleet of drinks. How can I get in touch with you?" And you hear the voice. We'll get in touch with you, Malari. Um. Let me ask y'all the question. If you heard a disembodied voice of a person who was just there and disappeared, how would you feel? <laughs> like I need to burn my sage. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like since he turned around and then he turned back and he was gone, kind of like Batman, you would assume like Batman that he's around the corner somewhere. <laughs> like, or hey, like yeah. Batman would be like in a windowsill. <laughs> Like or next to the window, um, H- on, hiding on in the a shadow building. in the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
was like, but I guess from his perspective, like I ordered, I, I told you I'd get you a drink. Shouldn't you show up? Like according to his people, like, and he's yeah. an alcoholic. So yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so there we have it. We have some really cool things. Uh, again, setting up the, the, the progress of the story. We met this new character, Mr. Morden. We met, um, we met this new, I guess you would say faction, these new characters, the shadows, which we've only seen the ships, the ships cloak and decloak. They look really like organic. Um, they have powerful weapons. They're in and out. There's, you get a sense that there's something a little bit more happening in this universe that, um, that the main characters just aren't aware of. At least yeah. it seems like most of them aren't anyway. Um, and just kind of circling back around, um, Lady Ladira was correct. Lord Kira was killed by the shadows. Her predictions were right. Her powers uh, are great. Her predictions are valid. Listen to that woman, even though she is part of the Empire. We, we, we can't forget that, though. Right. Um. Yeah, there's a whole separate discussion about about that. I'm 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 uh I'm just gonna put a little bookmark here. We will talk about the role of feminism down the down the <laughs> down the road. So um, through the galaxy. Yeah. Um. I thought it was kind of the connection between. I made my brain made a connection between. The um, um, God, what's his name? Jakar having mm-hmm. the conversation with um, Commander um, Sinclair's ex about the ant. Oh yeah, that's right. And how there's things that we don't understand. We don't understand the visitor coming to ask everybody questions. He's suspicious, and he he's weird. He he doesn't fit into their known universe. Right. He tries to. He presents as though, but he does not. And his um, him being able to get a hold of the eye the way he did, it, it's like, we don't understand those things. So there's obviously something that happened there that we didn't understand, at least from my perspective. Hmm. Which, like, the small things that I do remember about Ambassador Kosh kind of makes me think that all that's connected. Yeah, it's all connected. And it's cool because you're starting to see some of the pieces. Well, they kind of, they they made it very obvious. You see the pieces that are coming together. Uh, The connections or like the potential connections between the the different ambassadors. Um, They, and then the connection between the ambassadors and Sinclair and then all of the different things that are happening in the backstory. So we've got a lot of threads that are finally coming together that are weaving this really cool story. And here we are, 13 episodes in. Um, well, and, and we're still in season one. So this is the thing about all of this. So this is um, this, this is in an era where TV shows had to last 20, 20 to 22 weeks, 
right? Half a year. Um, also, the ratings were super important. So, like, if your ratings weren't weren't great, then you ended up on a different TV channel. Mm-hmm. Um, which that which did happen to Babylon Five. It was like it 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 would like bounce around channels, and so it was hard to keep up with the story because it was a uh, it was serialized instead of episodic, which mm-hmm. was. You know, different for the time. Everything, for the most part, for the most part, like TV shows were like, hey, it doesn't matter what episode you're on. You should be able to follow the story that you see because uh, each each episode is self-contained. But this one is, is telling a, a much larger story, which I look when it came out, when I started to really catch up with it, I was I was in love with it. And this is one of those episodes that kind of hooked me. So, um, with all of that, any what are what are some of your overall thoughts on everything that so far that we were we were able to see with this episode? I'm just still uh, like surprised about Lord Kiro orchestrating orchestrating his own kidnapping um (laughs) was the eye mentioned in another episode because i'm really curious about like the components and why it's such a important piece of uh symbolism i don't recall if it was i don't think it was mentioned um in any other episode the only thing the closest thing that i can think of is Remember um, that one episode where they were exploring all the different religions? Um, when they were looking at the Centauri, they were surrounded by statues and ornaments. And so them being an ancient, like, imperialistic civilization, they they very much, like, memorialized their, their power and, in relics and in, like, these different symbols. And so th- if, if we look at, like, parallels to, to our world, this is, you know, looking at ancient Egypt or the Greeks or the Romans. You know, you would build statues to people who were powerful people, like the Colossus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Colosseum. Uh, the, what are those? The pyramid. <laughs> you know, those big giant triangle thingies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And so they like like we said before, they would put so much importance in things that symbolized power so people could remember them forever because that's what they thought would help them achieve immortality. Mm-hmm. And there's um, so many go ahead, go ahead. There's so many earth cultures that actually use eyes as a symbol. We have um the Illuminati, we have the Egyptian um got Eye of Ra. Um, what was the other one that I was thinking about? Um, the the um, chakra sim- symbol for the eye. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, the eyes are very important. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it? There were some cultures in um, in uh, South, in the Americas before colonization that would like pull out people's eyes to represent like wow. the sun and moon before they 
um, I don't want to be specific because I'm not, I don't have that specific. A lot of people don't, the, the, like, the, the people who study it don't have the specifics. Um, yeah, certain organs yeah. were always so important. And usually the eye was always one of those important um, symbols for a lot of cultures. Um, and a lot of the Northern American um, indigenous people, their art had like the the eyes were so emphasized and detailed because they're so important. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, but, and, and again, it's like you have, you have ways that people would create symbols for power for the Centauri. It's about Imperial power, but I think for our ancient cultures here, it's like specific, like specific power of, um, the best I can think of is like maybe like magic or connections to the spirit world, you know, things like that. Yeah. The yeah. eye is the, the window to the soul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you will see like in the in this show there are certain there are other alien cultures that do put importance on certain symbols. Uh but it'll it'll come up like the relics are important. Oh, one more thing that came to mind, like, uh, and they even talk about it in this series, the Holy Grail. That's a, that's a, that's a symbol of power. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Which and it's I never jeweled. Like people would think the Holy Grail is the eye was jeweled in a similar way. Like mm. the style was similar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why the nineties was so obsessed with the Holy Grail, but Oh, yeah. I feel like every TV show had a Holy Grail <laughs> episode. Every every TV show had a Holy Grail and then an alien episode. Mm-hmm. And there were always uh, the Nazis. There's always there. Nazis. Yeah. And that was something that they were doing too. Like they always connected the Nazis to looking for the Holy Grail because they thought it would get them power. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or either they just let power. Let's let's try to get the Nazis to get the power. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Sunday, what are your thoughts on this episode? I think you're on mute. You're on mute. Still muted. My there you apologies. Go. My apologies. Um, I um it got it has me excited for upcoming episodes to be getting, you know, closer to the, the juice. Um, <laughs> like you guys were saying and figuring out what's really going on with that triangle on her head. It's it's exciting and I and when I say that it's like congratulations we did the thing like to have thirteen, like more than a dozen recordings done and um, we're being consistent and showing up for each other to do this is what I am speaking towards. So I'm really appreciating the space with you guys. <laughs> nice. I'm excited to be able to um, share it with y'all, the first timers, because again, just dis- discovering this as a teen was like it was it was like finding a treasure. <laughs> Uh, what what are your final thoughts, Mel? Um, I do really enjoy 
um, meeting up like this and, and discussing the show. Um, my memory of the show when I was a kid is very, very vague. I don't think I was truly paying attention. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it, it was my dad was watching it and I happened to be around and sometimes he'd be like, sit down, look at this, look at this. So, <laughs> um, as a author now in writing sci-fi myself, um, it's a lot it's very educational for me to go through and look at all this stuff and i love anthropology so all of the parts of culture that they throw in there and use for um uh, for uh was it metaphors along with the science of course it's mm. just exciting for me <laughs> yeah the thing the thing about the science in Babylon 5. And I think you pointed out pointed this out before. Like they do try to keep certain things grounded, but most of it is still <clears throat> most of it is still on the fantasy side of things. Um like, you know, you have a prophet, like how does she see the future? Like how mm-hmm. does that work? Right? Or the telepaths, like how does that work? You know. I think um, um, yeah. they're they're slightly consistent so far about the very very soft science being metaphors for philosophies and thought processes. Or yeah, yes. So anything that doesn't make sense scientifically always is a um, just a very science, somewhat sciencey way of explaining something that is not concrete concrete yeah yeah i kind of feel like they get a little bit more specific when dr franklin's involved Mm -hmm. Uh, um the fact that the station is like this giant rotating thing to simulate gravity you know that's that all is like part of the world building so that's kind of cool and i think that you know the way that they embellish on the science is cool um yeah because they don't make the way that they approach it, super obvious, you know, it's not always going to feel like Star Wars. It's not always going to feel like Star Trek. But the way that they, you know, the way they embellish on things um, serves the story pretty well. And you're like, yeah, that would be kind of cool. I don't know how that would work, but yeah, that's, you know, I get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's kind of like um, the, the guy who got killed by this, the um, shadows today. Like yeah. he was obsessed with trying to get power so much so that he was being irrational about it, and his irrationality on how he was going to gain power ended up being his demise. Yes, it was his shadows that he <laughs> that killed him. Yep. <laughs> so there was it was I I felt like I had to connect that whole metaphorical metaphorical part with the the science part of the ship being. A, a weird shadow-looking thing. And then lastly, I just have to make a note that Morden didn't ask Kira what he wanted. He didn't ask him nothing at all. And so that kind of points to you like what um, or who uh, Morden thinks is important or who the shadows think are important. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank y'all very much for joining us on this episode of Voices in Hyperspace. 
Um, we are on several podcast platforms. She definitely uh, go check us out. Check us out on YouTube also. Um, I want to start doing some YouTube things. Look, I got some um, some time, some off time coming up, so I wanted to uh, kind of start using that. Maybe we can do some lives on there. <clears throat> but uh, once we once we get all that sorted out, we'll definitely um, update everyone. Like, hey, well, you can you can catch us when we do this, when we do uh, our live uh, live streams. Um, other than that. Just be sure to like, follow, and share. Uh, invite your friends to have these discussions with us. Um, Mel is, um, was it moderating uh, a Facebook page, Facebook Voices page. in Hyperspace? Yeah. The, con- yes. the conversations you, can continue there. Mm-hmm. And you can post on there, and I will approve them if it's yes. sci fi related. Yeah, you've been getting some spammy posts. <laughs> yeah, I, I I changed the settings. Um, yeah, so now I have to approve them. But that means I get to see all of them, and when I approve them, I will be commenting on them. Nice. Yes. Yeah, I uh, briefly. Well, I've reacted. I reactivated my Facebook, so I'm going to be trying to be active on there. I will I do my best saw. to tolerate it. We're huh? friends. <laughs> yes, we are friends. I I went and sought you out to friend you, Nita. You're my friend now. It's official. We're Facebook official. Oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> Ooh. All right. So, um, go. Be sure to check us out now on Facebook. <laughs> um, Voices in hyperspace. Uh, you can follow me, Legendary Black Lion, still on Instagram and TikTok um, threads. And I refuse to call it X. It's, t- it's still Twitter. And so follow <laughs> me there. Uh, and we can continue to have some of these conversations there. Uh, this is Nita Painter. I am Nita Painter on all platforms. Uh, TikTok. YouTube, Facebook, what's the other thing? Um, Instagram, OnlyFans, <laughs> uh, just kidding. I, I was going to say, you got an OnlyFans? <laughs> they wouldn't let me get an OnlyFans account. They're like, it has to be you. And I'm just like, that is definitely me. Like, I'm just covered in paint. But I'm having a hard time with that. But I will be getting some sort of adult content account for my adult content um, that will still be need a painter. The end. <laughs> I am Mel Asylum. You can find me at Mel's Rebellion on most pro- platforms. TikTok, Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Clapper. I have a Clapper for some What's reason. What's that? That sounds like adult content too. What is that? Like, it's like TikTok, but for like older people, apparently that's what it was advertised oh. as. So it's like older millennials and Xers. There's a lot of like car accidents and fishing and food. I actually search for oh. like golf stuff. <laughs> I search for sci-fi and golf stuff, and I barely got anything. So uh, I'm mostly only posting my galactic tees on there and and some of my makeup stuff. So. 
car accident and fish. <laughs> there are so okay. many. I don't. People are like recording people getting into car accidents or like after the accident, people are like trying to fight each other and stuff. There's so many fights on there for some reason. Oh man. Very wholesome. The yeah. Is messy. Yeah. <laughs> and Sunday. This is Sunday, and you can find me in a dog park. Good night. Yeah. All right. Thank y'all for joining us and we will catch y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.